How's it going, ENC community? Thank you so much for tuning in to the ENC podcast this week. Um, today, we're being joined with President Jack Connell and Jeff Kirksey um, and, to, and our co-host, Shelby Robinson. And today, uh, we are here tasked with the duty of just listening, um, just listening to the student body, listening to our population of ways that ENC may be able to do better, ways, conversations that need to happen and things that the student body needs to say to us. And so um, I'm gonna hand it over to Shelby to introduce the rest of our guests. Yeah, also joining us today um, and those that'll be kind of primarily leading our conversation, um, we have Stephanie Jones, Cindy Perez, and Andy Edward, um, who will guide the conversation for us today. Um, and so we're really excited to have each of you with us and uh, we just welcome you guys. Um, so you guys can go ahead and uh, just take it away. Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess uh, we, we could start there. And I think the it's very obvious that people are hurting. It's very obvious that people are going through a, a deep emotional pain. So uh, I, I think it's uh, very important as uh, a faith community that we acknowledge the hurts. Um, we acknowledge um, the tears and uh, everything that people are going through. So for myself, um, I would definitely send my condolences and my prayers to, um, you know, to the George Floyd family, um, but, but uh, to many different victims um, of injustice in general, um, whether whatever race uh, you are, whatever religion, um, my condolences, uh, because it is something that is um, uh, very, it's a very touchy topic, um, just because a lot of people have a little, uh, different viewpoints because of influence of culture, um, different backgrounds and whatnot. So, um, I would definitely start there just to, um, show a sen sense of empathy, uh, because I don't know what it's like to, um, to see my father, if, if that was if George Floyd was my father, to see my father die like that, or if George Floyd was my brother or a cousin or an uncle, um, I don't know what it is like to see a, a loved one or a friend to be, um, best thing, the word that comes to me, it, but to see a friend or a brother or family be eliminated like that. Um, so I, I definitely send my condolences, but, um, for me personally, um, based off my belief and my faith, um, I feel the emotions, but I can't react emotionally. Um, and the reason why I say that is because um, um, I didn't grow up in church. So, you know, um, there was a, there's a culture shift that takes place when I step into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of the Father. So, um, uh, I feel the pain, even Jesus, he wept and, you know, even Jesus had emotions. He was angry and, you know, he had these different emotions, but at the same time too, he didn't allow his e emotions to dictate or to drive or even reroute his purpose and his identity and who he is. Um, so um, for something like this, um, I'm, I'm definitely, my heart is filled with compassion for, um, you know, everyone that is affected, um, African-Americans, um, but as a, a man of faith, uh, my approach is, 
is through prayer and seeking God for guidance on how can I can so how I can be a, a bearer of peace, uh, a bearer of love in any type of avenue that I can. So um, that that is my objective um, pertaining to this whole matter because it wasn't just George Floyd. This thing has been going on um, for years, centuries, uh, decades. However, since the beginning of time, there has been um, since the fall of man, we can always say um, that was the entrance of injustice, the, the entrance of racism, of prejudice, um, because it's, it's it's a part of the sinful nature. Um, but um, it's it's very tough to try to explain that to some people um, who don't believe in the same faith um, because they want action and they want answer now answers now, um, but I cannot, I don't have an answer now. But what I do know is that God is in control. Um, th th this world is not a surprise to God. He's not like, oh snap, um, there's riots going on in Minnesota. George Floyd just got killed. Um, you know, he's very aware. And as children of God, um, um, I, I believe that we must uh, maintain our composure, um, be relatable um, and understanding and have an, have an ear that is an inclined to people that are going through this. Um, but everything that we do, um, we must do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit, um, which is definitely in love. Um, but I understand different people have different perspectives. Many people have different perspectives on love. Uh, because some people say they're burning buildings in the name of love. Um, so we have to be, we have to specify, well, I'm coming to stand and protest uh, about injustice in the name of love, but whose love? Is it, is it to your understanding of love? Is it to, according to your truth? Or is it according to the truth that we know, which is Jesus Christ, our savior? So um, yeah, for me personally, I, I definitely have a sense of compassion and empathy for everyone, um, but I would like people to um, let's, 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 let's try to level, let's be level-headed as much as we can. Um, and the news doesn't help because it's everywhere. It's, um, we're not in really in a, I know they still sell new, newspapers, but I know it's, it's very, it's not, we're not really at that time anymore. Um, so, um, you might read it in the newspaper, you're going to see it on social media, you're going to see it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. This is the era that we are in. But um, one thing I would definitely say is that we must try as the believers. I'm not, I can't hold non-believers to the standard because they don't know the way. Um, but as believers, we ourselves, um, as, as ambassadors, as Paul even says, it, we must maintain a composure of peace. We must maintain a composure of love because God's not saying we can't have emotions, but he's like, be careful what you do with it because we're living in this world, but we can't react as they do because at the end of the day, um, we have a responsibility um, to God and to the people um, to be a light and to be a salt to this earth. So um, those are just my thoughts um, so far on this, but I would love to open it up to um, Stephanie and, and Cindy as well. Um, what do you guys also have to say upon this matter? Um, I know for me, I 
<clears throat> a, I'm very appreciative of um, ENC for even opening this dialogue. I think it's so imperative that we make sure that we're communicating. I don't think that um, racism is an easy talk topic to talk about. Um, you know, discrimination and um, white supremacy. Those are those are difficult topics to speak about. Um, as me as a person of color, as a black woman, and then to whoever I'm speaking to. It's difficult and it can be awkward, but it has to start somewhere. And so I think it's important to have the conversation. So I did want to acknowledge that. Very appreciative of this. Um, and I think that I like to hear from Black men because in our society, um, the Black man has to be very strong. Well, I'll say, in, so in my community, the Black man is the pillar. He's strength. You know what I mean? That's just how it is. So to see black men expressing themselves with their emotions at this time, I think is appropriate. And I think we should be encouraging that even more um, because mm -hmm. there is a lot of um, emotional immaturity that we have created amongst ourselves because we're like, okay, you're a man, you can't cry, you can't be sad, you can't have any emotion, you know? So then you make like this tough person, but that's not the way it should be. So to hear you, Andy, a black man expressing yourself, I truly appreciate that because we don't encourage that and we need to be encouraging that more. Um, so I went to the protests in Boston on, um, uh, not the not yesterday's, but the one previously before that, um, and it was interesting. You know, it was an interesting it was an interesting thing. Um, I I don't like that the protests are now being hijacked by looters and things like that. Like um, George Floyd, he passed. You know, um, and and like Andy was saying, he isn't the first, and unfortunately, he's not going to be the last. This has been a systemic thing that's been going on, just set up from the very origins of this country. You know what I mean? I think if we look at the history of this country, we're a rebellious nation by default. We have a bunch of rebellious people who left their countries and came here. I mean, there's rebellion in our veins. It just happens. We're going to be rebellious. You know what I mean? So I think me looking at how we even responded to staying inside to COVID-19, you know, everyone was out. People you hadn't seen out in 50 years, they decided all of a sudden when, when we say, stay inside, oh, I'm gonna come out and go on a walk. You know, you're like, wait, <laughs> you know? So we have rebellion all in our veins. And so it's, it's hard to not rebel against something that is so ingrained in the American culture. Racism is ingrained in the American culture. There's no way to look past that or to look around that. So we have to look through it. Like, can't get over it, can't get under it, can't get around it, you know? You have to go right through it. We have to cut through it. And we need people who um, have a global mindset, who have a global mindset. If you have a global mindset, then you will be open to different cultures. You'll be open to learning from different cultures, even if you weren't born, you know, with that type of privilege. Um, the privilege to be around multicultural people. I grew up in Brockton, you know, they just had their own kind of crazy protests and looting yesterday, but it's a melting pot of different cultures. I am privileged to have grown around, grown up around white people, black people, um, West Indians, Cape Verdeans, ooh, ooh, um, Cindy, um, Haitians. I pick up all the languages, all the food. There's something so beautiful about that. And so that's the privilege. If you don't have that privilege, it's not too late. These conversations are a great way into that. So, okay, you, you were raised in an all-white community. An all, you know, okay, you, you, have the, you have the ability to change that. You have the ability to alter that. It's up to us. It's hard. It's difficult. You know what I mean? But if we make the effort, then it's like, okay, we can all do it. You know, because there's, there's legit outrage. Um, 
but if we're yelling and screaming, we can't hear each other. You know, it has to be open dialogue and open communication when everyone is hearing and available. Um, and I really don't feel like you can do that outside of God. I don't feel like you can fully understand another culture and fully love someone like God does unless you're, unless you're with God. They're a nice people very sweet, nice people. But I feel like if you don't have that anchor of God, if you're not, if you're not um, renewed and transformed like Andy was hinting to, you know, by Jesus Christ, it's really hard to, to love. It's really hard to accept that someone's not gonna be right all the time. It's really hard to humble yourself and say, I'm not gonna argue you down. I'm gonna hear you right now. I won't speak, you know? So we need that light of Christ, we do. Um, we need to be those pillars of peace and, and understanding. Um, that's one of the reasons I went to the protest because I'm like, if I see something trying to happen, um, we ended up leaving before everything happened because you know it just happened that way. It was done, we were gone, and then everything happened. But I feel like in those moments, those of us who have the truth, we have to um, we have to create those spaces of peace you know, to be in. So I'm not afraid to enter in a conversation or a different space because we know the truth and and we're allowed to share that with other people. And I think that's the biggest thing. But a lot of us, we, we don't like the open dialogue because we're stuck in our ways. And that goes on both sides. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like Donald Trump, but that is on both sides that, you know, sometimes people in the black community don't want to listen. We're like, we've heard for too many years, we're still waiting on our 40 acres and a mule. You're telling us all this stuff, where's this, where's that, you know? So we don't listen either. And then on, on our, our white brothers and sisters, not listening either. It's, you have to have a listening here and an open heart. Without those two things, I'm sorry, you're not, you're not gonna, there's no resolution that's gonna come out of that because you just want your point heard. So to that point, um, I think communication is key. And, and I, Everyone on this call, I'm like, I have a, a connection with you. I feel comfortable talking to you. Shelby and I have had some funny moments, some serious moments, some, you know, Bubba and I, you know, you, you begin to love different cultures. Like I consider them my brother and my sister, you know, not because um, we were born biologically like that, because we're connected by Christ. And so when you're in that neighborhood, um, when you're in that same family, it looks different. We shouldn't be having two conflicting views over this, the evangelicals, that that does cause confusion and that pushes people away from the kingdom and whoever's doing that is going to have to answer for that you know so i'm like i'm trying to do everything i can to to make god attractive and that aroma and people are like oh my gosh what is that you know and i'm like it's not me it's god you know and then then hearts can be turned you know from stone to flesh so that's that's my opinions get off my little soapbox <laughs> Um, for me, I agree with both of you guys on everything that you guys are saying. Um, and I do agree that, Andy, I applaud you for being emotional and showing your emotions because that's something that isn't shown in the Black community. Um, growing up in a Black home, Cape Verdean, the men, they just kind of suppress everything and nobody speaks on anything. And it just kind of gets brushed away. So I applaud you, Andy. Um, I think what we're going through right now is very serious and it's very powerful, but I feel like the looters and all the violence that's going on is taking away from the seriousness of what's going on. Um, I believe that everybody has a voice and everyone does need to be heard, especially in the black community because we have been suppressed for a very long time. Um, I personally have never dealt with any type of racism 
Um, I grew up, just like Stephanie said, in Brockton, born and raised, and we just had our protest yesterday that turned left, um, but that's all out of a place of anger. People aren't understanding how to control their anger, so they're just letting it out the best way that they can, re re not realizing that that's taking away from what is trying to be, to be said. Um, I think a lot of people are just hearing what's going on and not, not too many people are actually listening to the people. Not too many people are actually listening to what's going on and trying to understand and be there for, um, for a lot of the p things that are going on. And I think leadership is very big and I think we don't have the correct leadership for what's going on today. And I think that's why things are escalating the way they are. For example, our president, instead of understanding and hearing us he's saying that we need to dominate and take over and it's like that's not what we're trying to do we're just trying to be heard and for him it's almost like a, a game of power who holds the most power so if he can suppress everyone and get everyone under his power he's won the game um and it's not a game it's not a game um i'm first generation born in america so I've seen it with my parents. Um, they don't speak English very well. They're, they're not from here. So I've seen it with them where people are like, well, no, you have to go back to your country. You're in America, speak English. And it's like, well, that's not fair because people come here for a better life, but instead it's like everyone gets pushed to the burn. It's like you just work a nine to five in a factory, um, collect a retirement um, paycheck at the end of all of that, and that's life. And it's like, no, that's not fair because I feel like the black community has a very strong voice. Um, they have very powerful people that can make changes. And it's just like Stephanie said, and it's not by choice. If people are grown in a place where it's like, okay, they are not privileged to different cultures and that's not their fault, but there is a choice that is being, that um, needs to be made once you get to that point where it's like, all right, I want to know, I want to learn, and I want to hear you. So I think it's more, uh, what's going on is more people just wanting to be heard. They're just broken, hurt, and they just feel like there's no way around it but violence now, because that's the way to get attention. It's not a great way, of course, it's definitely not, but I feel like that people are reverting to that because that's the only way to get the attention that is needed right now. No, um, I, I hear you. Um, uh, when a group of people are living in darkness, um, darkness will give you advice to break things and to burn things and and to to do uh, a bunch of things. And uh, uh, one thing I would definitely want people to know um, during this time, it, it was interesting because uh, I was in prayer and I was just like, God, you know. Um, I don't really know what to say. Um, I, I just feel that the whole world is just in need of Christ in general. Um, and I, I think uh, one thing we can hold true to is, is the word of God. And, and the spirit led me to the, the, this particular passage in James. Um, and it, it was just talking about um, that, you know, if you favor some people over others, uh, you, you are committing sin. And um, you will be guilty of breaking the law. And what, what, it, it brought a sense of reassurance and, and peace and uh, for myself. 
Um, because in the kingdom of God, um, God doesn't favor us. And as, as Cindy and Stephanie had pointed out, um, people aren't listening. And unfortunately, uh, well, I wouldn't say unfortunately, God is a fair God and he's a just God. Um, but it's a bit unfortunate for those who are looting and who are doing it the wrong way, because um, if you go and you loot and you burn and you break and you destroy, um, you will be disciplined, um, whether by po through police or um, through God himself, through the judgment of God. And one of the things I would love to say to um, those people who are not peacefully protesting um, I'm not saying that it is right to, uh, for police officers to do things that are illegal and go against your rights. Um, and it's not all police officers who are wrong and who are unjust, who are unfair. Um, but those who do live right and who are doing their jobs and whatnot. Um, if you are looting and if you are doing certain things, um, unfortunately, you are subjected to the repercussions um, that that may, you know, present itself to you. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that it's okay because I, I heard um, uh, the Donald uh, <laughs> say that if you keep looting, we're going to start shooting. And I was like, oh, Lord, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of bloodshed. And um, it, it, it's a very sad thing. It, it is a, a very sad thing that is going on. But in order to save this world, and honestly, I, I, I know there's a lot of people, I was talking to some people, and they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to hear about Jesus. I want change now. Um, but unfortunately, um, if you do not want to do it the way of the way Christ did it, um, you will not be successful and there will be bloodshed. It is inevitable. Um, it is inevitable. Um, I, was, I have some friends, you know, I talk to them and, and they don't understand my standpoint and they think um, what I stand for is soft. Um, you need to go out there. You need to be amongst us. You need to break something. You need to grab a bat. You need to get a gun. And um, I, I know it's not what people want to hear, but we have infected each other. Um, I, I think about when I wasn't saved, um, I, the music I used to listen to, it influenced my behavior. And it, and people are like, well, that has nothing to do with George Floyd. Um, it has a lot to do with George Floyd um, because the death of George Floyd has caused you to behave how you behave according to what you've been listening to. Um, and it, it, there is an influence with um, the things that we hear, music, it gets into your veins. Um, it causes you sometimes, because music is for the soul. Um, it can cause you to be violent, angry. You can become murderous. And, you know, the things that, you know, I see 
you know, African-Americans on like certain shows. Um, it's very degrading. It, it's not just a George Floyd problem. We have a culture problem in general. It, it, it is not just this. And what's taking place is that they're plastering um, and putting on specifically just this police versus um, African-Americans and, and, and oh, that's the issue, you know. Uh, Jack Conley is not my enemy. Um, Bubba is not my enemy. Shelby is not my enemy. Um, Jeff is not my enemy. Um, because I'm not part of that culture, my enemy is in the spirit. So I have to remain in the spirit to pray these things. And some people might be like, well, I don't need you to preach to me. I don't need, but if we are saying that we are people of the faith, we must walk according to those standards um, and love people through it. Uh, my, my mom would always tell me when I was younger, I'm going to love the hell out of you. And, and, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, whatever that means. And but it, it manifested because her love brought me to a place of where like, wow, this is the type of love that Jesus, God, the father has for me. And he, he showed that through my mother and whatnot. And it, it, I, I wish there were I would love to talk to some people who are protesting, who are not in this of the same faith of me, because I want to hear them out and um, I want to um, warn them of the destruction that is to come if they continue to do it in, in, in this manner, in this way. Nothing is going to get better, folks. Um, it, it, it will get worse because um, people are running rampant off their pride and they're just doing a whole bunch of things according to their feelings. And it is not going to get better. But what I do know and hopeful for is that God is in control of all of this. And at some, you know, our duty and our, what we can do in the meantime is to snatch those out um, that we can. Um, those who um, are, are not too far off to the left, the ones that we can bring in and, and you know, put some sense um, into their minds um, because you know, some of these police officers are scared outside. They're are scared and are fearful. Um, some of these these police officers are people. You know, it's not not all of them. I don't believe not all of them desire to go out there. But they're just like, you know, this is how I make my living. And you know, I don't want to kill innocent people. Um, I don't want to beat people over with a, a, a knife stick or whatever it might be. But this is what I've been called to do. And I, I was watching a particular video and there was somebody that was telling the officer, you know, get on your knees, um, get on your knees too. like, you know, you can protest with us. And he was in tears, but you can see the fear because he's just like, man, I, I feel your pain, but I can't, I, I can't do it. And then they pulled him out and he was just so distraught. Because he, he, he saw the pain, he saw the emotions, but at the same time, um, he, he just, he was having a hard time to decide. But um, I don't want to sound redundant, but I, I really believe the answer is, you know, in Christ. And also, too, um, one of the things that God reminded me of today is, um, you know, there are peaceful ways for us to apply these things. And it, boycotting 
there are ways where you can remove yourself from certain things to get an attention. You don't have to break something to get an attention, but you can also too, you know, um, you know what? We as the people, like celebrities, athletes, lawyers, doctors, politicians, um, and not, I'm not calling, and I'm not calling for African American celebrities, African American pol politicians, because what the, the thing is is that we're trying to gather all people and make it aware to all people so we can come together, and we should boycott some of the things that are wrong and that are out of line because that will get people's attention. If you really want to affect people and promote change, come at their money. That's what's going to change. Nobody likes to be broke, especially someone who is used to money. Nobody likes to be poor. Somebody who is used to the good things, the goodies, the, the, the diamonds, the gold, you, 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 you come at the businesses and you don't break the businesses. And I, I see the, the, the ignorance and the lack of direction in the, this project. You're, you're destroying black owned businesses because you're ups, upset about injustices for black people. That, 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 that is such a, a contradiction. So I'm just like, no, we don't destroy their businesses. We don't destroy white businesses either. Whatever businesses, Jewish businesses, Asian businesses, we don't, but we sit, we sit, we gather together, we put our heads together and be like, okay, what can what can we do to get their attention? You know what? I'm boycotting my job. I'm not going to. And you get a group of people and you just have a sit in and we're going to sit here. We're not going to pay our bills because if we don't pay our bills, you don't get your pay. You don't get paid. Then eventually your company has to shut down and eventually you can't bring oil over whatever it might be. So we, we, you attack it in that way, but it requires um, one mind. But like I said before, unfortunately, um, we don't have a one mindset and we're promoting peace. They're promoting um, pandemonium. So um, I believe that there is applications that we can use to um, work this thing out, but it's just a, a required a willingness and, uh, and humility. We must humble ourselves and really try to work together. So, um, yeah. I don't know if anybody had any questions or comments in the meantime. I mean, just to touch on what Andy said, yesterday, me and my husband were actually laying down watching the news of the protests going on, like right, literally right down the street from our own home. And it's true what Andy said. It's almost ha It almost has become a thing where it's cops versus African-Americans. And all you see is this line of cops and then a line of, of people of color just standing face to face. And it's almost like, let's see who's going to give in first. And I think that it's like Andy said, it's not just the George Floyd thing. It's not just cops killing African-Americans or people of color. It's more of a cultural thing because, and I can speak on a Cavernian culture because that's what I am. The things that we allow in are, like Andy said, degrading, it's violent, it's, it's just negative. And that's what we're going to portray because that's what we're putting into our souls. This whole Black movement, Black Lives Matter, it's not, we're not battling flesh and blood. 
it's we're battling something greater than us and people aren't seeing it people are seeing it for what it is in the natural and it's way more than that and like andy said we can't come at it in a natural standpoint we can't violate and break things and destroy things and destroy property when we're fighting for peace it just doesn't add up you're fighting for peace but we're we're gonna come at it with war it doesn't make sense so i think it's just i think it starts with us i think that's what people of faith to be the difference that we want to see i think it starts with the african-americans of faith to come together as one and to just be the the change and the lead that we want to see because if we join in on what's going on we're not doing a good job we're not doing what we're called to do i mean i'm definitely in agreement with what everyone's saying just as andy was talking i was thinking about um like all white neighborhoods right so I'm like, if you're in an all white neighborhood, you don't know how to really interact with other people. But it's the same way in an all black neighborhood. I think we only put the emphasis on one. In an all black neighborhood, you aren't surrounded by white people or really any other culture. So when you get around that culture, it is hard to integrate. So it goes on both sides. I think that we have to have more times of close proximity where we are engaging in different spaces together learning from each other, hearing each other, acknowledging that we have differences, but seeing that we have more similarities and differences. And it's true, it does start in the household of faith. We are not to let the world dictate to us how things go. We should be dictating how things go, setting the standard, because we know the truth. We have, we have the book, you know what I mean? We have God's word. So I think it's, I think it's interesting to see how two cultures clash. It's a culture clash you know, and it's, it's built up rage and frustration that's been pushed under the rug. Um, I've been watching, well, I um, am going to be getting her book. It's uh, Dr. Robin D'Angelo. She wrote about white fragility and how people, um, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it, but um, she's, she's amazing. It's, it's really nice to see a white person talk about it because it's one thing to hear black people talk about our injustices that we face in this country and all around the world, but really in America, it's another thing to hear a white person who was in a society that did you know, um, benefit from white privilege. She's speaking about it, it's so insightful and it helps to really open your eyes to see what's going on. You know what I mean? Like systems that were set in place, different procedures that were put and it's all in legislation Protests, I love them. My mother, my grandmother marched with Martin Luther King, so protesting is in my blood, I promise. Heck no, we won't go. You know, we'll do that all day. Great. However, the real change came when laws were put in place. So to Andy's point, yes, you know, people are looting and people are doing this and that. What is the end goal and what is the purpose of this? What do we want to see? Because, okay, you can bust up a shop and you can bust up Dunkin' Donuts in Brockton destroyed. And we, we have a video, uh, there's a video going around, someone lighting it on fire. You know, they almost caught their own arm on fire, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, it was just like, oh, okay. So they were lighting the, the Dunkin' Donuts on fire. Okay, you burn these buildings down, but then what? the racial inequalities are still there. You're still denied for housing. You're still not able to afford this and that. We have to, we have to go to a different level. 
but we do need white allies and that's just the reality of the situation we need people who have privilege to pave the way it, it just it just happens because people who have privilege cause the rift it's going to take people of privilege to level things out and that's just how it is so you know a lot of people ask well what can i do um a situation i was on a call with lynn earlier in a situation you know where we had started having these talks about race and there were sandwich seminars but no sandwiches there so at one of the sandwich seminars um we were talking about um black wall street and i was uh liz who used to work here she came up to me afterwards when we were walking back to angel and she's like this situation is so big she's like sometimes i just don't know what to do so i back off i get it and i completely understand when something's so huge you're overwhelmed and i i i can't speak from a white person's point i can only speak from mine so i'm trying to now put myself in someone else's shoes and say okay if i was a white person what would i want someone to say to me so i can help with the cause so i can stand up so i can be bold and say no this isn't right so i can even if i'm the only one saying that because re realistically it becomes you're stronger with people in the household of faith than you are with your biological family and that's how it should be and that's what jesus said if if i have a cousin who was unsaved she's still my biological cousin but i'm closer to jeff now that we know the same god jesus saved us and we accepted him into our hearts i'm closer to jeff now than my own biological cousin and and jeff and i are of two different cultures do you know what i mean so if, if i'm looking at it in that and it's the global mindset if you have a global mindset to understand cultures and races and ethnicities i love to learn about new things i love to learn about cultures pick up languages dialects i love to eat different food trust me i do um but there's a there's a joy i get only because i know how god sees people i i, I want to have the eyes of god like i see people how god sees them so i see you with all the love that i can get out of my little five one body you know all the love i can muster and get out of there i'm like all right cool let me do that because that pleases the father we're seeing people who have strayed away from the faith and that's that's a generational thing you know, uh, I'm in my community, we used to have Big Mama in church, you know, uh, on the on the mother's bench moaning and tearing all night. That started dying out. So you see a culture and a society and a generation of people who don't honor God. Why would why would you honor a God you don't know? You 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 don't know him. You wouldn't honor him. You, that's something that we're we're asking something that they don't know. But it's up to us to keep introducing and keep talking about it. And it's true, I mean, people will know us and people will know that we're God's by our love. I wanna be outraged, right? I wanna be upset and I am, but I can have righteous indignation. Jesus turned over tables <laughs> in, in the temple. He was upset, if, rightfully so. You know what I mean? And, and we can have that same level, but we have to keep level-headed. I love what Andy said, that we have to keep a level head because our anger will get in the way of the solution. I'm only solution focused. However we get to the solution, if I have to humble myself to do something, if I have to be uncomfortable, as long as we get to the solution, if more people start thinking like that, I only want a solution, whatever that means of me. If I have to have a hard conversation, if I need to speak to someone, if I need to go somewhere to introduce something, okay, if people need to ask me 50 questions about my hair, I'm open to it, about my culture, about this, about that. I'm open, I have no problem with it because I want you to be exposed to it. And I want you to know our culture is no secret. We, you know, we, we have our music, our food, everything. You know what I mean? I want to know about different cultures, but it comes back to the global thing. That's all I hear in my head. This is a global thing. 
that people don't have a global mindset. We are to preach and teach and love all nations. You know what I mean? Not just our own. And so when we're so insulated and insular, it's hard to it's hard to see someone else's point of view. And I think that's what we're struggling with, seeing someone else's point of view. I do want to ask though, Andy, like psychologically, so you know I'm a clinician, psychologically, what does it do? What does it do to you to see so many black men um, you know, eliminated? What does that do to you as a black man? Um I know this is gonna sound a bit strange. <laughs> or it's just like you can't always be like that. Um initially when I see um personally for me, I when I see an injustice towards humanity, um that's that's how the, those are my lenses of life. Um I look at injustice in general to uh towards humanity. I don't get caught up, um, and it doesn't mean that I don't care about black men, um, but I don't get caught up in seeing, oh my goodness, there is an injustice in somebody who looks like me. Um, my, my thing is like, uh, when I saw the video of George Floyd, um, I was like, wow, man, they really just um, assassinated this man on national television. And, and I understand on, you know, in years past during slavery days, they would humiliate and destroy the black man in front of uh, his wife and his children. Uh, they would just really, uh, really come for the black man in, in, in such a way. But for me personally, psychologically, um, I, I look at it and I'm just like, man, um, George Floyd died, yes. Um, but the sh but I'm even more I would be I'm even more devastated, or I would be even more devastated to know that George Floyd died in such a horrific way, and he went to hell. Um, I think for me, that's how I look at it. These 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 people that are dying, and because of these injustice things, um, they're wrong, and they promote. Uh, a terrible uh, thing uh, to our children and to the world. Um, but for me, uh, I, I really have a heart for people and where they're going to be afterwards. Because the reason why I say that is because that is, um, that is on the heart of my father. My, my father's concerned about, not about just this life, but the afterlife. And P, you know, everyone can say rest in peace and all that and, and whatnot. But um, I just pray and hope. I'm like, Lord, I pray that George Floyd had you in his heart because that is something um, that he cannot return from. He, he cannot. Justice can be served here on America. But if this man, you know, really didn't make it, that's troubling to me. Um, so I see when I see injustice in general to, to, to men or to black men, whatever, um, it hurts me. I have a sense of compassion for them because I'm just like, man, you know, nobody should be treated like that. But when I find out that they're gone, I'm just like, Lord, I pray that his soul was in your hands. I pray that his spirit was in your hands because I understand that once he's gone, I can't pray for salvation for him. 
I can't pray that the Lord will touch the whole, will move through the Holy Spirit to draw him. I can't pray that anymore because he is gone. So psychologically, I go into a place of empathy and compassion, but I completely shift to like, man, I hope that his soul is right with God. That's how, and it's not that, you know, because I've, I've had conversations about people with this and they're just like, oh, you just spiritualize everything. And I'm just like, no, it's not that I spiritualize everything. There is no return. That's why it, it's such a serious thing for me. There is no return um, if you are sent there to, to the place of the dead, or some people might call even hell. There's no return. So psychologically, I don't, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of police. I fear no man. I, I don't. I don't fear no man um, because I understand that the Holy Spirit lives in me and it, give, and it gives me power. And I understand that the word of God gives me authority. So even if I am faced with an injustice, when I was 13 years old, um, I was in Florida and my, um, I would always play with um, my neighbor's son. Um, but every time I would go over and play with him, um, his, his dad was never there. And then one day we were jumping on the trampoline and then I heard, I, I ran to his dad once, but I've never been over when playing while he was over, but uh, he came over and he, he saw us outside and um, his name was Billy. He's like, Billy, get in here. And then, you know, I'm jumping, I'm jumping, I'm jumping. And then at some point I'm just like, dang, where's Billy? Like we was having a good time. You know what I'm saying? We had the popsicle. We was just having a, a joyous time. And then he never, and then I walked to the front of the house and his dad comes rushing out of the, uh, the garage. And he says, um, listen here, boy, if I ever see you on my property again, I'm going to get my gun shot and I'm going to shoot you down. My gun and I'm going to shoot you down. And I was 13 and he was, you know, 13 and just hit puberty, just so small. Um, I was in such fear. And I went home and I never, I didn't tell my mom. I just went in and I was trying to process what I felt. And then the year after that, um, I was walking from school and these two white kids came up to me and I was new to the neighborhood because I had just moved. And um, I was like, probably like what, 100 and like what, 10 pounds. And they was like, you know, you got money on you. They took my money. And then, you know, some racial slurs pushed down. And then I was walking home and then there was this kid um, that lived next to the, the, on the other side named Nick. He's like, are you okay, Andy? He was like, you want me to tell my dad? And I was like, no, nah, I'm fine. And then I just walked home and I just, I just was in tears. I was in tears and I was in tears. And those were the only two times that I experienced um, that degree of racism and that degree of injustice um, and whatnot. But um, what's so crazy about that is that Billy ended up moving and the kid who robbed me with his friend um, we ended up being close friends. Um, some way, somehow, God worked it out. We ended up being close friends. And and at a very young age, I don't know, I, it was just, I had to let it go. I don't know why I did, but I cried. 
I processed and I let it go. And honestly, I, I, I don't say everybody's process is like mine, but um, I was able just to let it go and just to move on. But like I said before, when I look at black men being killed, um, or I, I don't look at just black men getting killed. I looked at, at every man getting killed, um, whether it was a white man, Hispanic man, um, but there is, yes, I'm very aware that there is a, it appears that there is an attack, not there appears, there is an attack on black men um, and even black women. Um, but, you know, um, I do not negate the fact that um, black men and black women and black little boys and black little girls are not the only uh, people experiencing injustice. Because I remember after 9-11, um, black people caught a break because the Muslims took that took that took their took that position now because every place that you went if you saw someone who even appeared or looked muslim you were just like they have a bomb so uh, you know at some we 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 got a little break we were still getting a little injustice but we caught a little break cuz it was we didn't look like the, the it's like oh you're not a bin laden so it's cool you can come on in so um but i, I do understand that when it comes to certain things, um, there, there is definitely an injustice, but I don't, for me, um, I don't spiritualize it. I definitely process it. And, and I go through the father because if I don't, if, if I don't handle it the way that God is, I will go out there and I will break stuff and I will cause havoc and I will go break the law because I understand that is in my nature outside of God. So, I, I don't try to go there because I'm not going to get an answer. I'm going to either be in jail or dead. So um, I hope I answered the question. And it was a little long winded. Sorry. That was great. That was <laughs> awesome. You know what I mean? And I wish more people had that mindset <clears throat> because the kingdom of God does really transcend color. It, it, yeah. We can celebrate our own cultures and communities, of course, but if if you're not if you're not seeing your brother and sister as whoever is saved, whoever is you know God's child, then we do have to we do have to analyze that and and kind of look that up because we literally all are brothers and sisters. And I can't go there either. I can't go into that rageful state either. There's no there's no good that can come from that. No, there isn't. No good. There isn't. And, 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 and you know, one thing I would definitely say is. Um, there's, there's two things I want to point out. One thing um, I got a uh, somebody had sent me a post yesterday. Um, it was either that it happened yesterday or the day before. And um, uh, Jeff, you were actually on it. There was a I guess it was an alumni who was expressing she was irate. Oh. And um, but I do the reason why I want to say this is because um, uh, I, on because she, I guess she is a woman of faith in her own way, um, but I would like to apologize because um, she didn't express it in the faith, um, and you, you came with a sincerity and with such a genuineness. Um, and the only reason I know I wasn't the one who said it, but I saw it. And um, sometimes these things happen, and sometimes it can potentially discourage you in your faith and then which could potentially cause like a, a, a psychological warfare within your mind it's just like mm. and it makes you just like okay like is this is what being a christian these christians are going to be like or is this how black women are 
Um, but I would like to apologize on, on behalf of the, the Christian community because um, you asked for forgiveness and you were given no mercy. Um, and and I, I wanted to point that out. I know she was hurting and, and I was aware of that, but there's certain things that, you know, we have to be careful what we post on social media because those are seeds of discord and division. And that will carry on and people will share it and like it and that it will continue and people will look at it as a, uh, a way that validates or what they're doing. Like, oh, word, yeah, now we got them. Now we got ENC. No, that, that's not the, the case because we don't know what ENC was doing behind closed doors. And I think that is an injustice to towards ENC because she's not in the board meetings, I don't assume, I don't believe and whatnot. So I just wanted to point that out because that was a seed of division that was that was planted and that needed to be uprooted and addressed. Yeah, I, I mean, thank you for that. I don't know if that's, if that's necessary. Like um, somebody else said that to me yesterday um, and uh, but I, but I also get it. Like I get the anger, like, and in a lot of ways I feel like the anger is justifiable. Like, um, you know, I know maybe that's not the way I wanted uh, to be received, but at the same time too, I get it. Like I, I don't get it because I haven't experienced it, but I, but I think the anger is appropriate. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't hurt by that, I think, but I, I heard it. If you feel like you've been beating your head against the wall, trying to make things better and trying to be heard and you don't get heard, like it's gonna take a lot more than like, you know, a few words from, from me, like wishing that your experience was better. Like the experiences going forward need to be better. But I, I mean, I appreciate your perspective there. Andy, like, um, and uh, I, I think I understand this, this spirit, which that comes from. And, um, but yeah, I also, I also understand the perspective where, where those comments were coming from. And that's, and that's okay. Yeah, no problem. I, I just, I understand what she was saying. But I, I, just a part of me was just like, I was a little troubled because um, it, it is a mixed message. Yeah. That's why um, I was just like, well, I, I guess I understand she was angry because that could have been a phone call. Didn't necessarily have to be a social media post. Um, I think what, what I feel like I'm learning now at this point in my life is like, so, how do we how do we identify kind of those systems that are oppressive like in the structures that we have influence over right so when we think about the life of the college like where are those systems of oppression and how do we how do we fix that jeff thank you for that that question um which is a great segue into next week's conversation um enc podcast listeners if you want to hear more uh we're going to be back here next week with the same group of people 
continuing the conversation, but diving more specifically into how ENC can do better and how ENC can grow from this experience. Um, so everybody in the podcast, feel free to say goodbye at this point. All right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for the late invitation. <laughs> yeah. They can't see your wave, though. They can only hear your voice. <laughs> I was waving to you, Baba. Okay. I was waving to everyone else. <laughs> All right. We love you. <laughs>